In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. As today we begin a recording, it's been a few days since I've, I was going to do something for Easter this week. Um, There's some family situation, um, so I had not gotten recording it. So today is going to be the first day of devotions for Easter. Um, I'm going to do about four days worth of these. And then next week I'm going to come back to reading through the Gospel of Matthew as I started back in March. So... Um, just as a note, this is the part of the 101 series, uh, which is aimed at catechesis, Christian instruction. Uh, and by the way, the music you just heard, it is called the Victime Pascali, which is, uh, was sung by the Concordia Theological Seminary, the Cantori. Um, you know, sound, it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, so... Uh, with all that in mind, we're going to do what we're going to be doing for the next few days. So today, uh, we're and each of them we're going to we're going to have a hymn of the day or probably two hymns, um, a short prayer, um, and we're going to have some other liturgical stuff. But the focus will be upon one of the the accounts of the resurrection. So today, uh, we're going to be focusing on John's account, John chapter twenty. Uh, tomorrow, we'll focus on both Matthew and Mark, because both of them are rather short. Uh, then Wednesday, we're going to focus on uh, Luke's account, and then probably on Saturday, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. So, with all that in mind, uh, let us pray. O God, in the Paschal Feast, you restore all creation. Continue to send your heavenly gifts upon your people that they may walk in perfect freedom and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Just so you know, the propers that are going to be used for this, most of them are going to be based upon one of the days, with the exception of the Gospel, um, or the focal te focus text of the day. So today... Um, we're going to focus on the readings for Easter evening. And so the Old Testament reading is taken from Daniel, the 12th chapter, which writes, <clears throat> At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who is charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Um, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue with the introit, uh, which you probably don't have before you, so I guess you could just kind of listen. We will not hide from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord in his might, and the wonders that he has done. He divided the sea and let them pass through it. And may the water stand like a heap. In the daytime, 
He led them with a cloud, and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness, and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He rained down on them manna to eat, and gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of the angels, he sent them food in abundance. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, and the wonders that he has done. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, which writes, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to John, the twelfth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now as I note, as I read through this gospel, um, this gospel account, I will at times break in and I will um, give commentary on the text. So bear with me on that. So it begins, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. <coughs> so, right off, this is this is actually the gospel lesson that is usually read for, that is read for the um, sunrise service, and you can see right there why it is the sunrise text, and it's because this it happened early in the morning while it was still dark. So if you have a sunrise service, usually, um, like us, we had it at 6.30 in the morning, so we got here. The sun had not yet, it was just starting to come up, but it was still pretty much dark out. And so we're kind of, and this is kind of something that the whole Holy Week liturgy does, is it, it draws you into the narrative of Holy Week, the narrative of the scriptures. And so that's why you read John 20. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. You hear that right away, because as you are coming to the church early while it is still dark. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Notice it says, we do not know, which is letting you know that Mary Magdalene was with other women. It was not just Mary who went to the tomb. There were others. 
So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So the other disciple, by the way, the disciple whom Jesus loved, is most commonly, most people believe that this is the Apostle John, the one who is writing this gospel. Um, and people who think that the disciple whom Jesus loved is Mary, doesn't really make sense, considering Mary is the one, Mary has to be two people in this case, all of a sudden. Um, she's both the one whom Jesus loved and Mary Magdalene. And it doesn't make sense, because they both left, and Mary was left behind. So the it's very clear in this text, Mary Magdalene and the disciple whom Jesus loved are two different people. Alright? So... Um, John usually identifies himself this way. It's kind of a way to keep his name out of it. He does not want you to be focusing on himself. Um, it's kind of an it's kind of more of a thing of humility. Uh, but there, but anyway, so he did get there before Peter, and this probably the biggest reason for this is is that John was the younger of the two. Um, John was prop believed to be probably around fifteen years old when all these events happened. Peter was probably in his 40s, and typically, um, when you have a 40-year-old and a 15-year-old racing, the 15-year-old's going to win, unless the 40-year-old is like Daryl Green or something like that. So, uh, so he, you know, John got there first. But notice it says he did not go, he stooped in, stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Why did he not go in? Some people will try to go moralistic and say, oh, John just didn't have the courage or he wasn't ready to step in. You'd be ready to step into the tomb or whatever. No, actually what it is, this is an act of respect. John is the younger one. Peter's older. Out of respect for his elder, he waited to enter into the tomb. So you'll find a lot of times when it comes to these scriptures, a lot of times we insert um, our... We want to try to... imprint our thoughts into it but the thing is you read into it just read the text what it says and just use common sense a lot of times and you realize that some that why these things happen the way they do a lot of weird interpretations come out of this because people don't just use common sense and here comes another one then simon peter came came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. So people see that the face cloth has been folded. And so people try to figure, oh, what's the reason for that? What's the, if there's, maybe he's trying to, Jesus is trying to tell them this message or that message. Honestly, it's much more simplistic. If you come to a tomb, because the body's missing, right? They've been told this by Mary Magdalene. They, the idea that Jesus rose from the dead is not anywhere on their minds. Even though he told them multiple times, they do not have that in their mind. Because it says here, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also, well, actually, we'll get back. They don't believe he's risen. We're going to get to this in a little bit. So the idea that he rose from the dead is not on their head. What is in their mind is... That either the body has been stolen, you know, by grave robbers, it has been taken by the Pharisees, or the high priests, I should say, um, or it's been taken by Jews, we'll just say it's been taken by the Jews, or it's been taken by the Romans. One of those three solutions, and when they saw the cloth 
fooled it up, they knew it wasn't a grave robber, because a grave robber is not going to take the time to fold the laundry. They're just going to take the body and they're going to run, all right? So that was what the po that's the purpose of the linen cloth being folded. It's simple common sense. It's telling them that this is not, um, these are not um, grave robbers, all right? They're not people stealing the body or whatever. So this, in their mind, they're thinking, and because it says, then it says, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. What did he believe? Did he believe that Jesus rose from the dead? No. And the reason we know this, because it says right away in verse 9, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that, they, that he must rise from the dead. Verse 9 explicitly says they did not believe that he rose from the dead. So what did they believe? John believed what Peter believed, what Mary believed, that the body had been moved. That's what they believed. They believed Mary Magdalene's testimony. They didn't believe the resurrection. That's why John has that verse 9. To clarify to you, the reader, that he's, they didn't believe the resurrection. They believed that the body was missing. So this is one of the things where people, oh, they believed in the resurrection. That's us. In, see, the thing is, we know how this story plays out. We know where it's going. All right? So we're... We insert our already knowledge into that. But they don't have their already knowledge, all right? They don't know. Imagine reading this for the very, very first time. You don't know the resurrection's going to happen. You know, you, you've, you know Jesus is dead, and there's no doubt about it, all right? So you're reading that for the very, very first time. And you read that verse he saw and believed. You're going to right away say, oh, he believed that the tomb he believed what Mary said. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid them. They believed that verse, what she said in verse 2. All right? So then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. So, question comes, why did, G did Mary not recognize Jesus? There are some that will come to the conclusion, well, it's not actually Jesus. Well, here's the more logical. There's two things that are at play. One, she's been crying. All right? Her eyes are covered in tears. There's the first part. So she can't see clearly. But secondly, this is the bigger thing, is if you are standing next to a tomb, or even in modern day, you're in a cemetery, and you're sitting next to someone's grave, and their body is missing. Somebody comes up to talk to you, and they ask you why you're crying. 
You are not going to assume that the person talking to you is the person whose body is missing. You don't normally expect dead people to talk to you. That is the logical reasoning. She's in a, she is in next to a tomb. So the person she expects to talk to her is, the, is a caretaker, or in this case, a gardener. Someone who's charged with the upkeep of the area. That's who she thought was talking to her. Because that's what makes sense if you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. All right? She didn't believe he was risen. Nobody believed it. Nobody, even though Jesus told them over and over, none of them believed it. So Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. This kind of calls to mind when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. So it's at the voice of Jesus and the way he said it. I don't know how he said it, but he said it in some way that she knew instantly that that was Jesus. And the thing is, the whole context of it, she is not expecting a resurrection. She doesn't get it. Jesus said it some way, somehow, that she got it. Because that is the power of the voice of our Savior. His voice just his voice and his sheep, his lambs, will turn and they will hear. They'll pay attention. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Verse 17 is a one little phrase in there that we kind of struggle with because of our translations. Most of our translations translate it poorly. Those translated as do not cling to me. So people ask, like, well, why was Joe why was Thomas able to touch Jesus, but not Mary? What what's the big deal? What why was he treated more favorably? Well, see, the problem is actually in the translation. The translation is, I don't know why they keep translating this way. And because um, the grammar doesn't translate it this way. The better way, grammatically, this should be translated as stop clinging to me. Now, okay, take that phrase into context. This person that just... Moments before, she was crying because not only was he dead, his body was taken, she thought. And now, she realizes he's not dead. He is, does not have the wounds of a crucified victim. He is, he is a glorified, risen body. What is she going to do? Think about those videos of those soldiers when they come home from war. You know, they do those surprise appearances. I'm not talking about the even the ones when they know they're coming, but even more so those surprise ones like, you know, girls singing doing something at a basketball game or a football game or whatever, and their or their dad comes and they show up and they jump like, "Yay, daddy." You know, they're all excited. Mary 
with even more joy is this not only was I mean it's because Jesus was in fact dead. She saw him die. And Jesus she held so dearly. And so what would she do? Naturally, she would jump up and cling to him and hug him ever so tight to the point that I could almost imagine Jesus saying, Mary, I need some air. Let go. She'd be so happy. So what he's saying is, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the fa Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. In other words, stop clinging to me because I have things to do, and so do you. Alright? So it continues into verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Okay, so there's quite a bit of stuff there. So first off, Jesus right away says, peace be with you. And which is him telling them that they are forgiven. This is, a, this is a proclamation of forgiveness from him as God. And I think part of it, and I think even a part of it is, is that they are, um, you know, t trying to help them uh, not to be afraid. Because let's face it. You know, Jesus, I mean, think about how this all happened. They're in the middle of the room. It's locked. And naturally, if you're in a locked room, you don't usually face towards the door. Not a lot of times. You tend to face towards the center of the room, right? So Jesus just showed up. He didn't burst down the door or jump through a window or anything. He just appeared in the middle of them. I mean, the last time they saw Jesus, he was dead. And so their thought is going to be, that they are looking at a ghost. I'm pretty... I, it doesn't say to the scriptures, but I have a feeling there's a possibility that some of them soiled themselves at this site. Alright? I mean, it is... It would just absolutely terrify you. And so he says, peace be with you, which is almost a way of saying, hey, calm down, guys. Do not fear. And this happens a lot in the scriptures. The angels or whatever, they appear. They say... Peace be with you, they say. Do not fear. Things like that. To calm down who they're visiting. But again, he says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. That's, both of these are saying the same thing to some degree, but they're at different purposes. He says it twice. There's a reason he says it twice. The first time, like I said, it's to calm them down. The second time is because it's to stop them from even entering into the thought. Think about the way they've acted. They've abandoned him, deserted him. Um, one of them denied him. Um, they didn't believe him. Even though he told them over and over and over and over again he was going to rise from the dead, they didn't believe him. Mary Magdalene, when she saw the empty tomb, she thought that the body had been taken. When Jan John and Peter saw the same thing, they thought the body had been taken. 
And when they saw the Mary saw that folded linen cloth, she thought it had been taken. When she saw the angel, she thought the body had been taken. When she saw the gardener, who she thought was the gardener, but was really Jesus, again, she thought the body was taken. They failed over and over, all of them. It's not until Jesus says, Mary, that she believed it was him. All right, so this is, they have not believed. They have been faithless, and they don't deserve any kindness, any goodness from Jesus. But yet he, before they even get to that thought, he says, peace be with you, letting them know that you are forgiven. He was sent from the Father to proclaim forgiveness. And so therefore, you are also sent out to forgive sins. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So why withhold? Now the question comes, why would you withhold forgiveness? The only reason is, is that they would be unrepentant. If somebody is unrepentant, you do not proclaim forgiveness. Or you withhold forgiveness. So, but this is the authority from Scripture that tells you that pastors have the authority to proclaim forgiveness. And not only pastors, every Christian has the authority to proclaim the forgiveness of sins. It's that the pastor is given the authority to do this publicly. All right? So, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other, and by the way, just a little note, the better translation would be called the Didymus. Uh, Thomas is the... Um, the Hebrew version and Didymus is the Greek version of the name. Both of them mean twin. Just as a quick note. But anyway, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So this is... So first question is, why wasn't Thomas there? Now there could be a number of reasons. Maybe he went out to get food. But, okay, I'm, I'm going to admit, this is speculation. Uh, I'm straight up pointing out, this is speculation, and maybe I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyways. The way that, G, way that Thomas talks, because here's the thing, the English, we translate this as, unless I place my finger to the marks and they'll place my hand into his side. The Greek uses the word balo. Balo means to throw. Place is not a strong enough word. He's actually asking, unless I throw my finger into the mark of the nails and throw my hand into his sight, or a better way of saying it would be thrust my finger. So, I mean, what kind of a person talks about thrusting his fingers and his hands into the wounds of another human being? And this person that we're talking about is Jesus. That is someone who... It, there's a ways that people deal with grief. You might grieve like Mary Magdalene and be crying. You might be grieving like the others and be in, you could be, um, you know, just quiet or whatever. But some people, when they grieve, they're angry. They're angry at the person that died for dying. And Thomas, I mean, we can see it in... Uh, John chapter 11, that he was a faithful man. He loved Jesus. He was willing to die with Jesus. But when Jesus died, when he was crucified and he died, 
and he was buried. It seems for it looks from the way these words are written that Thomas is angry. And perhaps that's why he's gone. Is he's trying to walk the anger off. And so when he comes in and the other disciples tell him, We have seen the Lord, this would just and if he since he didn't believe, the anger would just infuriate even more. So Thomas says, I will never believe. This in the Greek is it's an emphatic, never, ever, ever, ever in a million. It's the no way Jose. Um, construction in Greek, no way Jose will I ever believe. Unless I do these things. Alright? So this is why Thomas is not doubting Thomas. There's no doubt. Doubt recommends, the word doubt means that you have some level of faith. He doesn't doubt whether or not Jesus was risen. He doesn't believe it at all. He is confident that Jesus is not risen. All right? Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, he did exactly what he did before, peace be with you. Now this is actually, that's important right there because Thomas was not the only one that doubted Jesus. You could read it in the, the Gospel of Luke that there were others that bought into Thomas. And so after they had all seen Jesus, some of them were starting to doubt just as Thomas did. So it says, although the, so he has to say, again, peace be with you. Again, give him forgiveness. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Notice, he said, and again, here, in the Greek, he says, thrust it in my side, thrust it, your fingers here. He uses that same bala word, that same word that Thomas used, which is letting you know, this is letting Thomas know of the omniscience of Jesus, that Jesus knew exactly what Thomas was thinking and saying. And what's more is he's granting his wish. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, a confession that Jesus is Lord and God. Something that they all were realizing given the fact he rose from the dead. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now it should be noted that we don't know whether or not Thomas touched him. It does not say it in the text. It might have been that he just got down on his knees and he... We don't know what exactly happened there. All we know is that he believed upon the voice of Jesus. The sight and the voice. He knew it was Jesus. He believed. So now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that is all of John 20. There is actually more in John about the resurrection. There's one extra chapter, but I'm not going to read that today. Uh, so hopefully this served as a nice little meditation on 
the resurrection according to John's Gospel. And that last part right there shows exactly why this is all important. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, by believing in him on account of the peace of the Lord which is with you, you will have the same life as he had. You will rise just as he did. This is the gospel of the Lord. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. We are going to conclude with what was the hymn of the day for Easter evening which is Christ the Lord is risen today. You can find this hymn on page 463 of your Lutheran service book. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Christians hasten on your way. you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.